Conspiracy talk here on Fantasy Impact today. Which is not allowed, by the way. (laughs) Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. You're in the Fit Nation. Welcome to our show tonight on July 8th, 2020, in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Joined tonight by Wes and Bobby. Tim couldn't be here. I heard he wanted to get traded, just like Raheem Mostert requested a trade from the 49ers. Wes, what's up with that, man? I don't know. I think he said his airtime was down a little bit from what it what it was scheduled to be. And so when he's looking at how much you know airtime he actually needs, I think he's wanting to get traded to a different show. That's That's what I read between the lines. Yeah, he's either upset about his airtime or he had just a bunch of stuff to do on his honey-do list. Raheem did an outstanding job in the playoffs last year for the 49ers, and I think he's just trying to renegotiate his contract. He had been hired on on a special teams sort of contract with a lower salary, so he's, he's trying to get what he deserves there with his outstanding performance. Hey, Bobby, what do you think about Raheem and what's going on in San Fran? I think he's, I think he's got the right mindset is just going around about it the wrong way he, he deserves uh maybe a raise in pay he's he's proven he's a good running back he's a viable uh number one number two in that in that rotation one a one b maybe but he's 28 he's not necessarily all-star material so he's not going to be getting a loaded contract from anybody. And right now there's not very many places for him to go. It's, it's really, really, really slim pickings. Okay. But everything you said, I believe is true. And, and the age factor is the one real big thing for me that if I'm Raheem, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. This is my time. I'm never going to be hotter than I am right now. And he might have a lot of leverage in San Francisco right now. He might've gone to training camp, looked around and saw all those other running backs limping around <laughs> because they always seem to get hurt there. And he might be going, you know, they they really need me right now. They really need me right now. Or some other team may really want me right now. This is his time with the life expectancy of a running back in the NFL. That window is really small. And uh, Mostart is, is a very talented player, very fast, great yards per percent, all those things. And I think that I, he is striking while the iron is hot, and he should. Oh, he most definitely should. But is asking for a trade the best route to do that? It's his only leverage. It's the only re- leverage he has. I mean, it, it's a crowded backfield, right? You got Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson Jr., who who was no slouch himself whenever he had an opportunity to play. That's a crowded backfield. But like I said, everybody's hurt, so maybe he has leverage. Maybe he sees in, in the locker room, in the training room, that they really need me right now. So he may think he's better than all those other guys, and he deserves that pay. I, I think it's the card he can play. I mean, it's definitely an interesting time. You've got a global pandemic that's threatening the sports season, so it's a 50-50 shot on his game theory that he's he's pulling this move. Either he gets what he wants or he falls on his face. Only time will tell. You know where I would love to see him go is New Orleans. A one-two punch, you know, with with him and Kamara. Go ahead and throw uh, 
throw Murray in the deal and and just kind of send Murray over to San Francisco or something. I don't I don't I'm just trying to think of where I would like to see Mostart land and and New Orleans would be a wonderful place. Most talking heads right now have pointed towards New England and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay maybe makes a lot uh, of sense. It it does make a lot of sense and they're looking for a running back. Uh I just to me He's best in San Francisco. And it doesn't seem like it's that big of a pay raise. I, I don't know where they are on the salary cap, but uh, you would you would imagine they would be able to squeeze another $4 million out of their budget to be able to fit Mostart in there, uh, one of the most valuable players in the playoffs for him last season. Well, I mean, if you can if you can squeeze Cam Newton a contract out of yeah. New, New England, you can squeeze him a con- an extra little bit out of – San Francisco, get fancy with it, signing bonuses, performance deals. Oh, and you know what? My conspiracy theories might be able to take over on this one. Maybe San Francisco has had such tough luck in the preseasons with running backs going down. Maybe they are using this and telling Raheem, hey, man, just sit on the sidelines. We'll we'll negotiate everything. It's all going to work out. We'll just bring you back after the preseason has started and you'll be ready to go game one. You know, just, let's let's use this as a way to avoid you taking more snaps or taking any snaps in practice. Let's just let's just save you for the regular season. Conspiracy talk here on Fantasy Impact today, which oh. is not allowed, by the way. <laughs> None of that. All right, so let's get into the tight ends. Let's let's do what we came for. Uh, let's, let's go for the NSG North tight ends. And Bobby, I want you to start out. Last night we were talking about Davids and Goliaths. Davids are your underrated, you know, low ADP, not well appreciated, but those are the players that are going to turn out to produce a lot of fantasy points for players out there. So who who would be your David? And then Goliath is the guy who's kind of uh, braggadocious and everyone thinks he's going to do a great job, but when it's all said and done at the end of this COVID season, it's not going to be as productive as we thought it might be. So let's start out with Bobby with your David and Goliath for tight end. For a tight end, David, I'm going to have to go with uh, Irv Smith Jr. as a value pick, not necessarily a somebody who's just assured to be a tight end one on, on a team. But with, with Stefan Diggs gone, there's going to be some passes to go around. Yes, they may not be a passing team, uh, so to speak. Uh, with with Cook running the ball well with a good offensive line, but somebody to step up and um, be a good uh, late round pick is gonna gonna get some scores. And of course, I love my Bama boys. Like I've said before, he's he's going to outperform his average draft position. There's some value there in some deeper leagues. So Herb Smith Jr. David, I I have him listed as one of my Davids as well. Uh, both him and Kyle Rudolph this year is who I have in my Davids. I like Kyle Rudolph. Uh, first of all, he finished 14th at the tight end position for the year last year. He had zero dropped passes last year, uh, a catch rate of 81%. I don't know how you catch everything, but only have a catch rate of 81%. Maybe there were some uh, uncatchable balls in that uh, ratio, but I'm not sure. But he, he only had 48 targets. But with Diggs gone, like you said, Bobby, that number could go up. He ranked 72nd in yards after the catch. 
which added to his yards per reception. And and that yard per reception was 9.4, which is very good for a tight end. You talked about him being a little bit older, which surprised me whenever I saw how how many yards per catch he, he did have. That was that was interesting because I know as an older man myself in slow pitch softball, it's hard to run to first base sometimes, and especially second base. And I think he probably ran a couple more uh, times around the base pads than I did last season in football anyway. He also finished the year with six touchdowns. His ADP is 26, 210th overall. I would rather take Rudolph over any of the other tight ends in this division, maybe with the exception of Irv Smith, because I do see him as a David. And Irv Smith almost had identical numbers to Rudolph with just a couple of exceptions. He only had two touchdowns, but at the same time, he only started seven games last season where Rudolph started all 16 games. It could really open up for Irv Smith. It could really open up for Kyle Rudolph. I think the the Vikings are going to play a slow down type of offense this year. They have got all new defensive backs, almost all new anyway, in in Minnesota this season. And so they're going to want to keep the ball away from the opposition as much as possible. So they're going to be a a ground and pound team for this season. They're going to they're going to want to control the ball a lot. So uh, Kirk Cousins is always good at just standing back there and and throwing darts to people who are not very far down the field, and that falls right into place for the tight ends. Now, Mark, I know you had, who'd you have, TJ last season? Oh, yeah. You know my strategy. I go with what I know. I had TJ Hawkinson, 22-year-old, played 12 games last year. You know, he did all right for me, uh, but mostly it was a disappointment. And that's what rookie tight ends kind of do, I think, in the league. That's always what I hear and what I've heard. It's a really hard position to play in the NFL you got to learn how to receive. You got to learn how to block. You got to know all the schemes for all those things. It's it's a very cerebral position, and and it's very hard for those guys to catch on early on in the in their careers. And that's why I have a tendency to stay away from rookie tight ends. And that falls into the same breath or the same philosophy that the Green Bay tight end this year. How in the world do you say that last name? Does anybody know how to say that one? Sternberger, Jay Sternberger. He might get the All Name Award this year. But once again, he's a rookie in that system with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has to be able to trust you. And if he can't trust you, he may not throw to you. He may not even look your way again the rest of the game uh, or maybe the rest of the season as far as that's concerned. Uh, Jace is a rookie, and that usually don't, does not bode well for tight ends to start with. Yeah, I could see at, at some point Mar- Mercedes Lewis becoming his tight end one in Green Bay over Sternberger. I think he he might have a little bit more familiarity with with Lewis. Lewis is not a great tight end, but uh, he is he is doable. If you're in a spot, especially in fantasy leagues, to, you just you need a tight end for a day, for a week matchup. Pick him up. Yeah, he might be that touchdown guy, the guy that uh, just is a familiar face for Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham. Put up not terrible numbers last season. He he did have like 60 targets, and that he's no longer there. So that's going to ro- open up more uh, targets for somebody in that Green Bay offense. I think that they're going to probably be funneled to the running backs and the wide receivers myself and not to the tight ends. I don't think Jimmy Graham finishing 22nd for the season at the tight end position is going to be able to transfer over to the Bears. Fellas, Ever since Gase has been the head coach there and calling the plays in Chicago, he's supposed to come from Kansas City. He had this magic touch with 
Travis Kelce is going to bring the tight end system over there that they used in Kansas City. They even brought uh, Trey Burton in. A, that I think it was the very first year when when Gase was there, and it just hasn't transitioned. Even when you had a healthy Trey Burton, even when you had a healthy Shaheen, even when you had a healthy whoever you want to throw the name in there of any tight end, it just has not transitioned well for the Chicago Bears and that tight end position. It may be due to a bad quarterback play. I don't I don't know, but I'm going to stay away from every Bears tight end, and I don't care if it's a rookie like they brought in or if it's going to be Jimmy Graham who has all those years of experience. I'm staying away from all Bears tight ends. The only tight ends I want this year from this division have, are going to have a Minnesota Viking helmet on. I would have to agree. The uh, quality over quantity is definitely – Definitely true as it as it comes to this uh, this division, uh, the the Bears can can roll with their eleven, but there's not a one of those eleven that is going to be <laughs> worth a darn, uh, especially with Trubisky back there throwing lame ducks everywhere. And if yeah. Foles happens to win the position, maybe a little bit better chance for somebody to to make a make a little bit of noise as a as a tight end, but not very much. All right, folks, there you have it. Both Bobby and Wes agree that everyone besides Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph are pretty much Goliaths. The only two Davids they identified were those two gentlemen. Pretty much. True. So, Wes, last night we talked about how old you were and uh, how you were getting on in your age. And I I just want to encourage everyone with the good news that I, I read tonight that Jamal Crawford, age 40, just got signed with the Brooklyn Nets. This guy is the oldest player to score more than 50 points in a game. He beat Michael Jordan, who was age 38 at the time. So he did this when he was 39. Uh, he's a great bench player by all accounts. He he won the sixth man award three times in the NBA. I guess that's an award for an outstanding bench player. So uh, there is hope for a guy like you or Tim or Bobby, uh, but not for me since I'm so young and um, virile, as they say. Uh, other news and notes, the NHL, NHL has announced that they're going to start up on December 1st. We'll see if that happens. I, I think that's actually probably reasonable, uh, given all the other sports that are going to get canceled. Maybe COVID will be tamped down by then. Uh, the Ivy League announced that they were canceling all sports this fall. I want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter. You can find us at FITODAY underscore on Twitter. You can follow Wes at Lofinit, myself at Crimson Apache, and Bobby at Foster Fantasy. If you want to, email us at fantasyimpacttoday at yahoo.com. Let us know what we're doing well and what we're doing wrong and then how we can fix it. And I'll, I'll make sure that Wes gets those notes and fixes them right away because that's his job, okay? If you could do that, that would be great. And if you could leave us a five-star review, let us know that way. That'll expose us to other listeners, and then we'll be able to reach more of our audience members out there in the great United States. So, speaking of great, I think it's time we switch into the wide receiver mode for the NFC North. And Wes, I want to ask you, who are your Davids and Goliaths in wide receiver positions as we kick off the analytics on the NFC North? There's a lot of wide receivers in the NFL, and this is no has a lot of juicy wide receivers as well. Uh, there's several in here that I want to pick from that I really like, but I think I think my David and my Goliath. Both come from the same team. So I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll start right there. And I'll let you guys decide which is what before I reveal who, who, it, who it is. Hopefully I can not read my notes so well that I'll just end up giving, giving it away. From the Detroit Lions, Kenny Galladay has the second easiest regular season 
schedule. He has the 26th hardest for the playoffs. So maybe he's going to be a sell high candidate at some point. If you know he gets you through the regular season, playoffs are are coming up, and you want to trade him to that guy, you're going to probably be facing in the playoffs or the toughest team. Go for it. That's that's always a good attitude to have for me. Uh, making trades is get somebody while they're at their peak and trade, especially if they're going to have a hard playoff schedule. Sell them to the person who's in the lead of the league. That that's always a great move. Last year, Galladay finished third at the wide receiver position. He started all 16 games. He ranked first in receiving touchdowns last season with 11. That's a monster season for a a wide receiver. He also finished third in yards per reception, seventh in total yards, sixth in yards per target, third in yards before the catch. That those are some fantastic numbers and they jump off the page at you and you're like, man, this guy is special. But then I look, he was 25th in targets. 42nd in the league in receptions with with 65. Kind of reminds me of that home run hitter in baseball that doesn't hit for a high average, but man, he hits a lot of home runs. Amendola finished with 62 receptions. Remember, Galladay finished with 65. Marvin Jones had 62 receptions in only 13 games last year. If he would have played all the games, he would have passed them had he played the whole season. Galladay was 24th in the league in drops and had a 58% drop rate. He's going 25th overall, so that'd be like late second roundish, but the eighth wide receiver off the board. So, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Is he my David or is he my Goliath? Did I give it away? Slight point of clarification: the 5.2% drop rate, but 58 overall ranking, uh, much higher than the rest. I, I think he is your Goliath, Wes. I want, I want to say he's your David. Uh, he he is my Goliath, and and the reason why is just because he's going so high in the draft. I don't. He's he he'll probably still stay around that. He'll probably still stay around that area of where he finished, and I think he's going to have eleven touchdowns. I don't think that's, I I don't think that's unreachable in an offense like Detroit is going to have. But here's what I would rather do. I would rather maybe pick Kittle, a Kelsey, in in that little late second round. Or maybe even that's a time to go after Lamar Jackson if I really want him or Patrick Mahomes. There's so many people you could pick from in that spot and then just wait around for Marvin Jones, who almost had the exact same numbers, but is being drafted 37th at his position and picked 92nd overall. That's somewhere in the seventh round instead of having to pick a, a Detroit wide receiver in the, in the second round. And, and it's so much better value. Marvin Jones is going to be my David. Uh, and I've been in a draft or two where I've gotten Jones and then I pick Stafford back to back. And I just sit there and I giggle to myself and, you know, have that old saying, some people play chess boys and some people play checkers. That's, that's how I kind of I kind of look at that move. And I think it's a really good move to just wait around for Marvin Jones. I want to say possibly. The, the reason that I would pick him as my... Uh, my David instead of the Goliath is that he hopefully would have a whole season with, with Stafford. If he mm-hmm. has a whole season with Stafford, some of those numbers will change. Yeah. I thought about that too, because he did have, but, but you know, when you have a rookie quarterback in there, what they were down to their second, maybe even third string at different times last season, I think. Yeah. You have a tendency not to look over the whole field and kind of zone in on your guy. Right. 
And so I'm sure Galladay would go back there and he'd see that quarterback in there and the quarterback's all big eyed. He'd say, man, just throw it to me. Just throw it to me. I got your back. And so then all of a sudden the ball's just going in one direction and that's going over to Galladay's direction. I actually looked at that and broke down uh, the season splits for Galladay and he did very well when Stafford was in there, his eight games. I think he only caught three, maybe four touchdowns later on in the season in the second half. So he did catch a majority of his touchdowns with Stafford at the helm. You know, on the flip side of that, maybe Stafford is back there and he likes to spread out the love a little bit more as the season goes on. So I I could hear what you're saying, and I definitely could see even more touchdowns than just 11. I just think that Marvin Jones, he had nine touchdowns last year. All that's just not very far off from what Galladay produced, and you can get him at such a much better price. But, Bobby, what do you think? Who are your David and Goliaths for wide receivers? Hold on a second. Hold on a second there, Bobby, before you chime in on whoever it is that you want to pick as your David and your Goliath or your David or your Goliath, either one. Uh, We did put out a poll this evening. The poll question was this. Who would they rather have as their NFC North wide receiver? Who's going to be the best wide receiver in the NFC North? And Devontae Adams won uh, just resounding. He got 80 percent of the votes. One of our replies was from at but fantasy. I don't have one T one T one there. Nothing but fantasy at but fantasy is what it is. <laughs> and he replied with a little, what do you call those things? A GIF uh, of Devonte Adams saying that he is the big man. So thank you so much for replying for that and all the votes that we had. But Bobby, who, who, who are you going to say is your David or your Goliath? My David, I'm going back and forth on, on, on my David. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, when healthy, is a receptions machine. Not last year. He was injured last year uh, about halfway through the season. But the two years before that, over 100 receptions. Over 100. Yes, they might not be as much of a passing team this year. But he could he could very well approach the hundred reception mark. And sitting at a, a draft position around thirty two right now, so that would put you in a twelve team league, middle third round. That's that's not a bad position. Yeah, you're going to be. It's not great value, but. I think I think it's it's a really good pick, really good pick. But I, I think there's there there is some value with Thielen and and with Justin Jefferson too as a rookie uh, coming in taking over for uh, Stephon Diggs. You know, of course, Devontae Adams is going to be head and shoulders above everybody in, in this division. Oh yeah, uh, and even with Galladay, he's he's still a better pick. May not be a value pick, but he's still a better pick. And that's why I couldn't put him on either my David or my Goliath, because I don't think he's going to fail at all. I'm about to purchase one of those AAA memberships or, or go to the law firm of Aaron, Aaron, and Adams. <laughs> this this could be the final run for these guys, if you really realistically think about it. And they were one step away from the Super Bowl last year. I think this is going to be a fantastic season. For those three guys from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know how overall the team's going to do. I could see Aaron Jones. I could see Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to say dividing that locker room, but they're strong personalities. 
Aaron Jones is one step away from free agency. So I don't know how all that's going to work out. But I think these three guys together are going to put up great fantasy numbers. I can't take Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, right? But I'm not letting Devontae Adams make it past pick number six. In 12 games last season, he ended up ranking 68th in PPR leagues, 17th in targets, 18th in receptions, and has the fifth easiest schedule during the regular season and 13th in the playoffs. There's no competition for him. All the other wide receivers are just up and down. You know, you might, one, one week you might be believing that Rodgers has found a number two receiver, but then the next week that's going to change. You know, it might be MVS. It might be, it might be Funches, it, you know, the new wide receiver there. It's just going to go up and down. So they're always going to have that great connection between Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Adams is Aaron Rodgers' guy, period. Period. So I, I, I can't wait to just take as much of the, those two gentlemen as I possibly can. I may, I may not take Aaron Rodgers in drafts just because he's like the ninth quarterback off the board or something. And, and that's, that's too, that's, that's just in that range where I don't like to take quarterbacks. I either like to get you early or I'm going to wait around for a while because I, I, I hope to find that guy late in the drafts. What do you think about uh, Allen Robinson though, Bobby? We, we, what? And he's on a bad team. He's on a bad team with a bad quarterback. But he's 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 Allen Robinson, man. He, yeah, I can't he, believe he's done so good in the league with such poor quarterback play that he's had throughout the years. I can remember what in Jacksonville with him and Blake Bortles. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's amazing if if that man could have a good quarterback, he he might be a top five wide receiver. I mean, quite possibly. I mean, you're looking at. Still, I mean, he's he's been targeted a good amount, but you know, receptions are seventh in the in, in the league. Yards per, that's where it drops off. Mm-hmm. And he's, and it's not like he he, he can't run. It's like he's not he no. he's he's not a possession receiver. He he's got speed. Well, I'll tell you the problem. All right, so so if you look at it, yards before catch is eight point nine. Yards after catch is two point eight. So he, and the reason why is because he has to dive after the ball to catch yeah. the ball, and he hits the ground. There's no, there's no hitting the wide receiver in stride. All those Bears wide receivers, you look at those yards after catch: two point eight, four point two, two point seven, two point six. There's no yards after the catch, and that's right. because they are catching the ball and having to fall. They are diving. They are making great catches on bad throws. That's that's what's happening, and they they don't have an opportunity to run after the catch. And that's true, and that's that, that's the reason that I think Allen Robinson might be my 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 Goliath. He he's a wonderful wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. If you pick him up, you know, okay, that's good. But I, I'm just kind of like in that system it, with those quarterbacks. Yeah, he's he's going to get some receptions. He's going to be up there top. 20 ish in the, in the league, if not top 10, but it's just so iffy. If Trubitsky wins that, wins that quarterback race, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if I would. So who would, would you rather have Allen Robinson or Adam Thielen? I would rather have Thielen. I guess who would you rather draft? Thielen. I, I would rather draft Thielen too than, than Robinson. It's, it wouldn't surprise me. 
if the Bears start out 0-6, they quit on Gase. They they just quit as a team. And Allen Robinson all of a sudden develops a hamstring injury. You know, just <laughs> just wait until next year or something. That would surprise me. That's a risk that, that honestly is realistic. If I was drafting a Bears wide receiver, I wouldn't mind drafting Anthony Miller as a late-round flyer. You know, just as that guy who you're going, okay, I don't know who else I want. You see Anthony Miller's name there. You go ahead and take Anthony Miller. Uh, he's one of the few wide receivers that I believe has got a large enough wingspan to be able to help Mitch Trubisky complete passes. He only started seven games last season. He's going at great in the drafts, late round flyer, and that wide receiver strength of schedule for the Bears lines up perfect. Perfect. Seventh in the regular season and eighth for the playoffs. So, if you do get a Bears wide receiver, that'd be the one I want more so than trying to take Allen Robinson right there in that spot. That's that's tough to take Allen Robinson that early in drafts. He's going uh, his ADP is the eleventh wide receiver off the board, thirtieth overall. There's a lot of players right there that I look at and go, "Ooh, I really want him." I might want Lamar Jackson over Allen Robinson. Lamar Jackson is a league winner. Allen Robinson is a question mark. Yeah. What like mm-hmm. wide receiver three? Uh, he's probably a wide receiver one, just a low one, high two. I mean, he he would be a if if he falls to you, if he falls a couple rounds, and everybody's just like, you know, I don't trust him in Chicago with Trubisky, and you pick him up a, a round or two down the road from where he usually is getting picked up, then then grab him, grab him by all means, but just know that you may have a day where he does next to nothing. Okay, Wes, Bobby, thank you so much for sharing your input. I'm tracking Wes. You said that Jones was your David and Galladay was your Goliath for wide receivers. And Bobby, you had Thielen as your David and Allen Robinson as your Goliath. And to bring it back up again for tight ends, you guys listed Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph as your Davids, while everyone else in the NFC North is a Goliath and not really worth pursuing. Hey, folks, thanks you so much for joining us today on fantasy impact today we want to encourage you that wherever you are whatever you're doing go out and make a positive impact on the world today help people be kind thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time where we're going to cover the nfc south and everyone that goes along with that we'll see you next time